Hi, and welcome to another episode of Desert Island Dishes with me, Margie. Thank you to everyone who has subscribed so far. Welcome to the gang. <laughs> Little bit of housekeeping to kick off today's episode. Have you rated and reviewed Desert Island Dishes yet? Because if not, hop footed over to iTunes and do it. It only takes 10 seconds and you can count it as your good deed of the day. It's the first day of December today, which means we can officially start to get excited about Christmas. Although excitement is often mixed with panic at the number of unbought presents and things to do. I actually need to get my hands on an advent calendar as no one seems to have bought me one. My mum normally does, but apparently she's forgotten. Today is a really exciting episode with the legend that is Levi Roots. What he's achieved is amazing and so inspiring, and he's so nice. I love Dragon's Den, and his episode always stays with me as a really memorable one, and it's just been great to see his career skyrocket since the show. We recorded this episode in Levi's restaurant, or restaurant as Levi calls it, although I am nowhere near cool enough to call it that. Um, So there is some atmospheric background noise, which I actually kind of like. Without further ado, here is the man himself. Um, Well, I wondered whether you might treat us to a tiny snippet of a Levi Roots song to introduce yourself. So nice with your fried chicken, make burgers finger licking, on your barbecue and your drumsticks, put some reggae reggae sauce on your dish. Oh my goodness, my heart's beating so (laughs) fast. What an introduction. That's made me so happy. Welcome Levi Roots. Hi. So you were born Keith Valentine Graham in Jamaica. And after your parents moved to the UK when you were four, you were brought up by your grandparents until you did eventually move to Britain at the age of 11. I read a really beautiful article about you and your grandmother. So I thought maybe we'd dive straight into talking about your first desert island dish of the day. And that is, what is the dish that most reminds you of your childhood? What? I think porridge. Porridge? Porridge, Yes. (laughs) My grandma was a fantastic porridge maker. Ooh. And actually, I just recently did a, a, a BBC radio program about porridges. Oh, my goodness. And was, yes, it had never been done before about no. porridges. <laughs> and it was really, really good to see how important porridge is around the world and connect that to do with my grandma, yeah. who would make porridge out of anything. She would make porridge out of cornmeal, you know, porridge out of plantain. She would make banana porridge. Oh my goodness. All sorts of fabulous porridge. As kids, it was just something that you just put in one pot and it was very cheap to make oat porridge. But kids would have a a bowl of that and you wouldn't be hungry again until lunchtime. And that was the trick. Was that something you would have for breakfast or would you have it for any meal? Right throughout the day, you would serve porridge in Jamaica because the difference with porridge in Jamaica, you don't eat porridge. You actually drink porridge. Oh my God, I it love can, the sound It of can that. be a way of opening up the appetite at times, as well as it can be a nice thick one that starts in the breakfast time and you wouldn't want anything to eat again until perhaps lunchtime. Oh my goodness. So it was really useful. Yeah, that sounds really good. So I read that you said that you didn't get the same education as your older siblings because there were six of you. Yeah. But you felt looking back that your grandmother was teaching you to cook and kind of giving you the skills that you needed to make your living, which is yes. so lovely. Absolutely. It really was. You know, it's an idyllic life I, I lived as a young young kid. I had no idea what was happening around me. I, I didn't ask the question like, where was mom and dad? Yeah. Because I, was, I didn't really notice that, you know, they had flown away to the UK to build a better life for us. 
and the trick was for them to send for us one one every year. But the only thing I noticed that was when I was missing one of my brothers and sisters every year. Oh. I think, where is he or she? And it was the days off, off to, to the UK until finally it was my time, you know, and I wasn't expecting that at all. Yeah. I thought I was going to be with my granny forever, you know. I just, it's a, I had more room in the bed now and I had her to myself and, <laughs> and I thought this was it. It was life. And then finally, you know, my suitcase arrived and it was time for me to leave. Oh my goodness. That's so hard to imagine now, isn't it? How did you feel when you got over here? Well, it's always a tearful moment when I think of that of that time because it was a lot of tears. Because you can imagine I, I was I was 11. I couldn't read or write. It was very scary thinking that I'm going to go away and, and I'm not going to have the person who was mom and dad to me. Yeah. She was everything, you know. I, I didn't know these two strange people that was over in the UK that was waiting to receive yeah. me. And it must have been so hard for her as well. It was because she, she had to actually wave goodbye every year to one of her charges, yeah, you know. And, and she knew that I was going to be the one that when I, I left, it was going to be like a... You know, a sweet spot. Yeah. <laughs> Are you trying to say you were her favorite, Levi? <laughs> no, no, no. no. Uh, but yeah, I, I think she had a little place in her heart for the youngest, I think, to look after him. And my mum probably gave her that, you know. <laughs> yeah, that, Levi, that, there's, yeah, yeah, there's no getting around care it. Of him, the, yeah. the youngest are the best. Yeah. So um, you sold your reggae reggae sauce at Notting Hill Carnival and then at Brixton Market before finding fame on Dragon's Den in 2007, where Peter Jones and Richard Farley each bought 20% of your business. What made you decide to go on Dragon's Den and what was it like actually being on the show? What? I'm going to say that I must be the first person or the only person that's ever gone into Dragon's Den that I'd never seen the show. What? I'd never <laughs> heard of Peter. What? I've never heard the word Dragon's Den ever until I was actually on the show. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but how did you apply? I never applied. What? I was spotted by one of the producers while I was being a, a typical fool that I, I normally am when I'm out in those days trying to promote the sauce. Yeah. I was at an exhibition and I was playing the song on my guitar and yeah. I, I had the crowd around me and they were like really in tune to this mad Rasta man who is singing this song called Reggie Reggie Sauce Song. Um, back in those days, I thought if anybody could pronounce the term reggae. Yeah. Know, say reggae, reggae. <laughs> I was suddenly just Reggie, thinking, Reggie. my goodness, have I been saying it wrong? <laughs> and, I, you know, I was there doing my thing and, and she came over, a producer from the show and, tapped me on the shoulder and asked me, you know, would I like to be in Dragon's Den? And I actually told her to get out of my face because oh. I didn't understand what it was. <laughs> Go away, and, you crazy lady. Yeah, and, and even after the few weeks that I had in between that, that my kids were, you know, when I told my kids that I was approached by this program called Dragon's Den, and they, they watched the show, they were saying, Dad, you know, don't do Dragon's Den, you know. No, Rasta man is not going to slay no dreadlock. <laughs> and you better look it up on YouTube or look it up on the internet. I refused to do that. I completely refused. I had two and a half weeks in between that space. And I refused to look. My kids were coming in front of me and trying to show me it on television and show me pictures. I'm saying, look, I don't want to be beaten before I get there. Yeah. You know, I, I know about eyes wide shut. I don't, I, there's, to me, there isn't a danger at all. Yeah. I don't know anything about no, these guys. I think that's really sensible, actually, not knowing what you're going into. Yeah. I, I, I think they were trying to protect me in some ways. Yeah. You know? I think my kids, they were saying, Dad, you've made a name with yourself with music. And everyone knows you as Levi Roots. Yeah. You know, you're nominated for a mobile awards. You know, you've done everything in music. Stick with that. We're proud of you. Yeah. Don't ruin it by going sing a song on Jagged's Den on a show about business and enterprise. Don't embarrass us at school, Dad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know. Um, but you but, yeah. showed them. I mean, the Absolutely. dragons fell in love with you. 
what is a lesson that I wanted to teach my kids as well? Be yourself, be you, you know? And for me, having a guitar and, and singing a song was me. And that's yeah. all they've ever known. They don't need their dad to do anything. Else. Yeah. Would you recommend going on Dragon's Den to another entrepreneur? You will have to be the best of you. You know, I'm not talking about being the best business person. That's what everybody else always trying to do. And how many people get kicked out? Of yeah. <laughs> you have to be the best of you because the dragons or investors for that matter are looking to always invest in the person. Yeah. There's more chance of them investing in you that you will be able to sell the product. Sometimes the product is not very good and you really need a good salesman yeah. to be able to bring this to bring this through. Yeah. So I say to people, do go on, but you've got to be the best of you. Be yeah. at the point where you're trying to sell your own self and not the product. Yeah. Because they will like the product if it's any good anyway. Yeah. But there's a problem if they don't like you. Yeah, that's yeah. really good advice. I think for life, that's good life Absolutely. advice. Um, so Levi, the second desert island dish of the day, what was the first dish you learned to cook? Well, the first dish I learned to cook was actually the accompaniment to the dish. Yeah. It was actually called fried dumplings. Or in, in the Caribbean, it's called Johnny Cakes or, or, or Fritters Ooh. or Festival. And it's a compliment um, to ackee and saltfish. Okay. And ackee yeah. and saltfish is Jamaica's national dish. Yeah. And the ackee fruit is a lovely, wonderful, golden, red and yellow fruit. That, uh, it's, I think it's African in its originality, but it's, it was brought to Jamaica by the slaves. And it is our national tree. Oh. And the fruit is our national fruit. And when you mix that with salted codfish, it becomes the national dish of Jamaica. It's what the queen has when she goes there. <gasps> it is amazing. our most important dish. It is a breakfast. You can have it as a, as a dinner as well, but it's mostly seen as a breakfast. And that was the first real dish that my grandma teach me to cook. So I could put the compliment that she had taught me to make earlier. Yeah. <laughs> when I was about four or five, I made my first fried dumpling. And the fried dumpling actually goes with the hacky and saltfish. <laughs> but I, I wouldn't claim making fried dumpling as any kind of skill because it's just water and flour. Okay. And, and you, you just make that. Um, but I'm... the hacky and saltfish was a proper dish that I had to learn. I mean, that just sounds delicious. I actually read an interview where you said you shaped your dumplings in the shape of a yes, duck. Yes, yes, a duck. <laughs> so that I wouldn't, like I wouldn't claim that as the first kind of <laughs> dish. Uh, but that was a fun thing to do. It's yeah. always great memories when I remember my granny, you know, giving me the dough and saying, just make something with it. And the first thing came in my head was to make a duck. <laughs> I mean, that sounds very skillful to me. And that's not my yeah. duck. That's the shape of him even nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> so when you first created the reggae reggae sauce, were you just making in your kitchen yes it was me and my kids you know we were in my flat in brixton brixton market was just about a mile down the road from where yeah from where we lived and my kids would be there making the sauce with me i i had a bicycle um and they would pack it you know put the sauce in the bottle and pack the bag and say off you go dad and then i had to ride the mile down to brixton and I had to make sure that I sold every single bottle in the bag. Yeah, otherwise those kids home. would be angry. Absolutely. <laughs> I would get back and they would refill it again if I was back home too early. That's and so I would nice. go home and tell them. We became a, a, a bit popular in Brixton Market uh, yeah. of having this sauce that was now being sold in, in record shops because of the connection to do with myself, Levi the singer, yeah. as well as it was called Reggae Reggae Sauce. Yeah. So it started to sell in the local record shops in Brixton. It was the it was the only food item that you would see alongside albums and CDs so cool. and, and selling in the shop. And yeah, we did that for quite a long time. And we we did the carnival. 
Yes. We do the Notting Hill Carnival with it as a family as well, too. And this is all before I, I, I appeared at Dragon's Den. Yeah. So then after Dragon's Den, what was the first thing that you were able to do sort of with the investment or with the dragons? How did that change? Well, the, the first thing was filling the, the order that was Sainsbury's had made um, when I was still making 67 bottles in my kitchen at home. Oh, my goodness. And Peter and I went to see Justin King. Because uh, Peter did what, you know, the magic that old men towards do, which is make that call. Yeah. And he, he called Justin, his, his friend, chief of Sainsbury's. You know, what better friend are you A useful friend, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we went to see Justin and uh, they were having a chat and I was worried that he's going to make an order over 67 bottles. <laughs> he went on to order 250,000. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and, and the first worry to me was... How the hell am I going to get the kids to make that at yeah. home? <laughs> <laughs> going to have to have so, some more kids. Yeah, so we had to change the plan instantly from, you know, we weren't expecting that order in no. that magnitude. Because my plan was to start small, to build a factory and, you know, to start to do some small shops and then to grow the sauce. Yeah. But to have Sainsbury's order quarter of a million bottles, you can't tell them to wait until to wait until the next six months. No. You better get that ready. And that's just what everyone away. always says, isn't it? That whatever they say, you just say yes and then you figure out, I figure out to make it happen. It. I mean, it's a good problem Absolutely. to have. Well, it's a good thing that you have a great mentor in yeah. Peter uh, in, that I had. And and his second call was was the AB World Foods, <gasps> which um, again, which is a fantastic thing to do, you know, yeah. the biggest sauce company, you know, in Europe that could make the sauce that would be able to fill that order, you know, that we didn't have to say to Justin, excuse me, Justin, you have to wait six months yeah. for me to build a factory well, yeah. and make the sauce. Because often you only get one chance. One chance you get. So yeah. we had to quickly turn around and become a licensing brand where the most important thing to us was the Levi Roots license, the yeah. brand. Mm -hmm. And then we gave that license to AB Royal Foods to create the sauce, mm. to be able to fill that order within three weeks. Oh and within goodness, the four really? within the fourth weeks, we were outselling Einz tomato ketchup. <gasps> we were the biggest selling sauce um, that was available in Sainsbury. That's crazy! Oh my goodness, that's so exciting. Okay, let's take a pause and talk about the third desert ah, dish of the day. More food, and that is the best dish you've ever eaten. Oh, that's a difficult one. I've had some really, really good food over the, especially over the past ten years yeah. since I've been so lucky to sort of usurp myself into you know, where I am now as a businessman, yeah. as an, an entrepreneur, I, I've actually been very, very lucky. But the best dish is every time that I'm ill, I've overworked myself and I go home to my mom. Yeah. And she makes that magic chicken soup. Oh, what's her For secret? me, <laughs> she used something, she used something in, in Jamaica, we call it chocho. Okay. In the chicken soup. Yeah. It's a really a Jamaican delicacy. What is it? The other, the other name for it is called Christophine. Okay. And it's a, it's, a, it's a green vegetable, a root vegetable that's shaped like a pear. Okay. But you, it doesn't really have a distinct flavor, but it's used in soups a lot. But it gives it a really lovely texture and flavor. Yeah. And she's been using that in there forever and a day. And, and we do that here when I make her version here. It's not as good as my mom, but it's been really, really good. But when I'm healing, when, I'm, when I used to go on tour, and back in the day when music was the main thing for me, and I would yeah. go on a, 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 a six-week tour in Europe, and I would come back and not feeling my, myself. And my mom would make that, that soup for me, the chicken soup that she called the cure. Oh. Um, it would be the most amazing thing that I can remember for a very, very long time. 
and it would stay with me. And I always tried to make it, but it never turns out. Yeah, never tastes <laughs> like the same, does it? I mean, people love my version yeah. of it, but to me personally, my mum's will always be the best. Uh, yeah. And the last time I had it actually was I just came back from Jamaica uh, uh, two weeks ago. Oh, yeah, I saw that on your Instagram. Yeah, and um, I was feeling a little bit after leaving Jamaica and didn't eat before I left. And I had to spend that time. And I don't like the food on the plane. Yeah. Which gives me an idea. I got to get some Levi Roots food on on airlines. So I came back and I wasn't feeling well and I went to see my mom and she cooked the cure for me. Oh, and instantly you felt <laughs> and instantly better. I was instantly. fine. <laughs> and in my head now, it is the best meal that I've had. Oh God, it's making me really want some. It sounds delicious. So I know that you said that people in the Caribbean were sort of tempted over to the UK with promises of streets lined with gold. Yeah. And obviously the reality is actually far more difficult in testing. And I wondered, is the entrepreneurial spirit something that runs through your family absolutely you know that's a really good question uh, you know or, or, or thought there because i see my parents as the first entrepreneurs that i ever knew when i think of it yeah when i knew what entrepreneur is entrepreneurial yeah. movements when i fully understood what it was because i was giving the accolades to other inspirational people you know that inspired me with it but my my mom was in her 20s you know, when she came over, leaving six kids back in Jamaica, my, and my father was a young man, to come to a whole new strange world, to, to, to buy a house within a year. Oh, what an <laughs> achievement. That's amazing. And then start to send for your kids one at a time until you have your whole family here and it's all proper with that, you know, that magical, you know, 2.5 kids in the back yeah. of the car up front. Type <laughs> Only of philosophy. six children. Only six this time. <laughs> But, you know, it's, it's that spirit that's allowed me to think that, wow, that is absolutely amazing. If I can do anything to emulate that with my family, to, you know, to create a business and to educate them and send them to a school and, and then to set their lives, then that could be the, the most important thing I can do, yeah. you know, as, as a man. So I see that moment, what they did for me, even though I, as a kid, as I said, I didn't really know who they were. It was yeah. all about grandma to me. Yeah. But what they did, I, I think it's a real entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah, Absolutely. it really is. It's amazing. Something I always like to think about is, um, you know, when you're young and at school, they often do a kind of poll where they ask who's most likely to be prime minister or who's most likely to be famous or most likely to yeah. get in trouble. If we could go back in time and poll the 12-year-old friends of Levi, what would they say you would most likely be? Um, well, I, obviously, nowadays, I, I, you know, I get a lot of response back from what they say, yeah. you know, that I'm famous. Because before yeah. then, I knew nothing about what they said. Yeah. I, I wouldn't want to know what they thought of no, me back I'm, then. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's great now that when I read, when I hear comments from my school friends and people who knew me back then, they say that they don't know anybody else that could have done what I did. Oh, that's so nice. You know, yeah. they can't think of any of our other friends in school that could sort of go through the, the stages that, I, that I've gone through. Yeah. And not just the, the nicer part, which is the Dragon's Den part, sure. which is not what they're talking about. No. They're talking about the other part when I was in prison and when, I, when they thought that I would never come back. Yeah. Because at one stage, I had such a long sentence that all my friends were thinking that there is no way they're going to see Levi again. And if they did see me again, I'm, I'm, I'm going to cut my hair off and I'm yeah. going to look like I'm <laughs> not the person that they know and I'm going to be really be affected by, by what I went through. Yeah. And yet when I, when I did sort of came back to life and back amongst them, 
I think that's that's where they see the power of what I was capable of doing, of coming back from what yeah. I went through. It's so impressive. And, and still, you know, to come back and create something fantastic. And yeah. when I hear them talk, you know, that's what the part that they say that they don't think that then, I mean, being an entrepreneur, you know, anyone can do that. But it's coming back, you know, from from the dead really yeah. clawing your way back up that, that's the turning most turning things part. around Absolutely. is really inspiring Levi we're going to move on to my favourite question of the day it's the fourth desert island dish what is your favourite sandwich? oh <laughs> on the question it's <laughs> a good question isn't it? yeah number four <laughs> sandwich well one thing I don't like is a soggy sandwich no who I, likes I a soggy sandwich? I do not like a soggy sandwich. <laughs> I like a sandwich, a sandwich nice and dry. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a fan with pickle and all, pickles and that. Okay. And when, I do, when I do have a sandwich, it's normally when I stop at a motorway cafe or somewhere like yeah. that. What, what would you go for? The most difficult one is to find a plain cheese sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting you to say that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> because I, I don't like pickles and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right I'm not a fan of things that I don't know what's in. Sure. If I can see you make the sandwich, then I'm fine with you and a chocolate stuff. In. Yeah. But if I can't see it made, I'd much rather a plain one. And you look around and you think, where is the plain cheese sandwich or something? I guess you get a lot of spice and flavor from your own food. So you can afford you can to occasionally yeah, have a yeah. plain cheese sandwich. But it is boring for, it's a boring choice of sandwich for me. I'm not that sort of pilot eye type of sandwich. Yeah. I like a nice dry cheese uh, and perhaps uh, some tomato cheese and tomato I think we've got an exclusive there (laughs) so you've done so many things and you have so many products ranging from sauces to snacks to seasonings and ready meals you've written seven books released four albums I believe and you've opened the restaurant that we're sitting in right now a restaurant sorry a restaurant (laughs) the list goes on but I wondered what is your proudest moment to date wow I think outselling Einz Tomata ketchup in Sainsbury's is kind of, I mean, yeah, it's that's massive. incredible. One of the things that I am very proud about is the stuff, is the charity work that I that I do. Because yeah. everything else is is nice and lovely. Anyone can do that. And, and it's, it's, it's nothing, you know. But I, I do think the stuff that I do with the Prince's Trust yeah. has inspired me greatly. I have my own program on the Prince's Trust that we've done for about eight years now. And it's in Brixton, which is great. And it's yep. a cookery program. Amazing. And we find, you know, kids that needs to be inspired by food off the streets. And we bring them into the Levi Roos, you know, Cookery Princess Trust School um, that I, we pay for every year. Um, and we have employed, you know, a few here in the restaurant. <gasps> That's so cool. And I think if I'm looking for something that really is inspiring and not saying, oh, you know, I went to South Africa and had a great time. And yeah. Things like, <laughs> It is about the, the Prince's Trust and, and, and what we've done in seeing kids, helping them. But it doesn't stop there because I had a lot of help when I was growing up, but nobody carried on further. Yeah. And it's, it's the part where we like to try and employ them here in the Rasta. Yeah. That's the most in, inspirational yeah. bit for Yeah, me sort of following through on the following whole thing. Through. Yeah. Absolutely. So if I were to choose anything proud that I've done, it is that. Lots of other things, but I think as a follow through, not yeah. just saying I can help you, is doing it yeah. and seeing them excel themselves and move on and stuff like yeah, that. I, I would choose that as, as my proudest moment. That's an amazing proudest moment. 
So the fifth desert island dish of the day, Levi, what's the dish you eat the most often? Oh, it's when I'm here. I'm going to have it after. Okay. <laughs> what is it? It's Martinique chicken curry. <laughs> Talk us through what yeah. that consists of. It's, it's a fantastic Caribbean curry. We know curry is usually a sort of Indian, but this is one that's inspired by Indian flavors. Okay. And it's from Martinique. And normally when you think of, of the Caribbean, you don't normally throw Martinique in. No. You think of Barbados and Jamaica yep. and Trinidad and that sort of stuff. And But this is a fantastic country and it has a great way of using fruits in the curry. Yum. And, and this particular Martinique chicken curry has mangoes in it and papaya and it has tamarind as well. So it's a, it's a brilliant flavor. It takes you one moment to a very sweet area of the fruits in there with the mango yeah. and the papaya. And then in another spoonful, it takes you into the nice sort of exotic, nice taste of the tamarind. Yeah. In there. So kind I of sweet and salty. Sweet and salty and sour at the same time. So I have that more than I have anything else here when I come into I mean, I can see why. That sounds absolutely delicious. Being such a successful businessman, you must get asked for advice all the time. And I know you even have a business book called You Can Get It If You Really Want, which I love. Great title, by the way. Um, But what is your advice to anyone wanting to start their own business? And is there anything that you wish you'd known earlier on? Well, the advice is to really know the market that you're going into. I think most people will already have an idea of what they want to do. Yeah. And, and they have that entrepreneurial spirit. Um, those are not the ones I'm going after. I'm, I'm kind of going after what happens after that. Yeah. And it's the staying focused on the job ahead, which again, as a young person, one of the most difficult things to do is to be focused. Yeah. <laughs> you want to do so many things. Yeah. There's so many people coming at you telling you that you should do this, you should do that. You turn your TV on and it's telling you that, no, you shouldn't be doing that. You should be doing this. Yeah. You turn the radio on and so on. And influences is coming from everywhere. Your key job is to try to stay focused on the most important thing that, that you feel that you're ready for. Yeah. And it's finding out what that is and, and doing your research in the market so that you know about exactly what you're facing. Sometimes we go into business just because of passion. Yes. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of people do that. You're passionate about something. If you, oh, that's what I want. You haven't done your research. You don't know whether or not you could fit within that market. Yeah. You're just passionate about it. And you go ahead and, and you file it. You fail. Yeah. You that. need passion, but it's not enough on it alone. It's not, yeah. You've got to educate yourself about whatever it is that you're, you're doing so that the passion works for you. Yeah. You know, the, the passion will work for you if you're very confident about your market, about what you're doing. You've been out there, you've done all your market research and you know exactly down what route you're going down. Yeah. That's when the passion and the focus becomes everything works together. Yeah. So that that's my, would be my, my greatest advice. For me, when I, if I could look at my younger self now and, and sort of give an advice back then, it would be about focusing, I would, I would say. Yeah. Because when I was in, growing up in Brixton as a young boy... I never see anybody come around in Brixton to inspire me looking like Levi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's very important. Yeah. It's no hard ever, to aspire to be something if you can't see if, it. If you can't see it. Yeah. And no one ever come that I can feel I can really trust this person to stop me from doing the bad boy thing yeah. that I was doing that, that used to make me all right. Yeah. And not say come over on the other side. So for me, it would be stay focused on what you want. But then I would hope that somebody, I would find a mentor like Peter. Like how Peter has came into me. Yes. 
and allowed me to be who I am. You know, he didn't say, oh, you need to change. Your rasters can't fit into business. You probably need to look like a nice, smooth boy. My goodness, I'm so <laughs> glad he didn't say that. That would have been awful. key thing was be you, be yourself, be who you are. That's what I'm investing in. I'm not investing in reggae, reggae sauce. Yeah. That's just the product. I'm investing in you. I, I would I would have loved to have met someone like that. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you are being that person for other people, which is amazing. Now, moving on to the sixth desert island dish of the day. What is your go-to dinner party dish? Oh, <laughs> patties. Ooh. Yeah. What kind of patties? Well, all different flavors. Okay. All different uh, meat flavor, lamb, vegetable nice. patties. All kind. I think when you're talking about parties... You're talking about dry foods in my party. You don't okay. want anything wet like curries that okay. you're going to be worried about splashing around. Okay. So it's sort of dried food, whether it's some nice spicy chicken wings and things like that. Are you doing them on the barbecue? On the barbecue, or you can do them in, in you know, in your, in your, on your grill or in your oven at, yeah. at home. But patties is perhaps the, the Caribbean greatest fast food. Yum. And it's a bit like the pasty, really. Okay. But it's a smaller version of the of the pasty. And you can, as I said, do all sort of filling on the inside. But it's a nice dry food that you can do all your dancing around. And you've got a patty in your yeah. hand. <laughs> and you're dancing and having a nice... It's nothing that you're going to have with a spoon or you're going to sit yes. on anything. Because my party is always music playing. Okay, yes. Yeah, so you don't, don't want to be quiet laughing moments. around with cutlery. Absolutely not. <laughs> you just need a, something dry, like a, a, a chicken wing or something that you can actually eat. Yeah. A nice spicy chicken wing or some lovely Jamaican patties would be my, I mean, yeah. my go to party dinner party at levi roots sounds awesome so i believe you still live in brixton i do yeah and you were given the keys to brixton market a few years ago which is such a huge honor and very exciting but i wondered where are your favorite places to eat in brixton there's quite a few yeah well there was quite a few because brixton is a bit changed it's changed so much i know oh change you know um I love you feel quite sad myself. about Well, you know, you've got to be careful when you ask for change because change is relentless. Yeah. You know, you can't say, oh, hang on a minute, don't change it anymore. Stop where you are there. Yeah. You ask for change and you've got to accept where it is. And I remember when Brixton, everyone was crying out for change. Yeah. Back in the days of the riots and when Brixton represented for violence and drug selling and that sort of stuff. Yeah. I don't want it to go back to where it was. No. But I think the only thing that I miss about Brixton is that the Brixtonians don't have a say in what's happening in Brixton now. Yeah. When I say the Brixtonians, I mean those who are an essential part of Brixton. When you look who owns the businesses now in Brixton, it's not the Brixtonians no. who owns the businesses. You know, it's still them walking around and spending the money, but they don't have a say in, in what happens yeah, to the business. Yeah, such a shame. Where it, it, that's where it used to be back in the yeah. day. So I, I think that's, um, that's one of the worst parts. But there are still some very good places there to eat. Yeah. Um, Bamboola is there, which is a lovely restaurant in, on Acre Lane. Okay. It's, it's nice and lovely. What kind of food is that? It's Caribbean. Caribbean. But it's more like a rural cuisine as, as, as well. Too. Yeah. And now the best thing about the market is these little sort of eateries that's in the market. Yeah, that's so good, aren't they? It's, it's, it's fantastic. Even though I still would love to see, you know, the big fish stuff and, and what the market used to be. Yeah. But when that closes off in the daytime and now when you go after six o'clock, it opens up and you see some nice little lovely niches here selling some some lovely food. Yeah. I love that. When you have a friend or you go out and you just wanna you just wanna do um 
just skip along. You just have a bite here, skip to the next one, have a bite there, yeah. have a glass of Prosecco there and move on and try everyone. It's a, yeah. it's a lovely feeling. It's I love the doing best. that. Right, Levi, we're on to the final dish oh. of the day and that is the last dish you would eat before being cast off to the desert <laughs> island. Oh, well, that's easy. Okay. You've, you've left your last for <laughs> But if I'm going to go on a desert island, I'm going to want like a nice big food. Uh, I'm going to want something that would be lasting me as, as long yeah. as, as possible. <laughs> You're speaking my language. Yes. So I'm going to be having jerk chicken, rice and peas, with a side order of coleslaw yes. and some plantain. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's an amazing. That's a big dish. meal. That's like yeah. a proper big Sunday, Sunday meal that you have. That you know, like you know, wow, can I finish this? But because you know you're going in a, a desert, a desert, you're gonna finish <laughs> it. You're definitely gonna From finish high water. it, and that's gonna last you long. Yeah. <laughs> and you're allowed to take one luxury item with you. What are you gonna take? Oh, again, that's an easy. I'd have to take my guitar with me. Oh, obviously, to inspire me. You know, the, the food will fill me up, and I'll be be feeling nice. But I'm gonna need a little bit of inspiration just to keep me going. Yeah. To think about my my son Christopher and think about my other kids and everybody. So I would have to have my guitar. Great, great answer. With I'm not worried about you at all on the desert island. I think you're going to be fine writing your next album. Thank you so much, Levi Ruth, for letting us hear your desert island dishes. Lovely. Oh my goodness, Levi's final desert island dish sounds like complete heaven. My fiance actually makes an incredible jerk chicken with a coconut rice. So I'm going to have to get him to cook that for me this weekend because it's all I can think about. I love the sound of the porridge that his grandmother used to make. And I mean, I just thought there were so many interesting and inspiring nuggets in there. So I hope you enjoyed that too. Don't forget to check out the website, desertislanddishes.co to see which recipe has been inspired by Levi's Desert Island Dishes. And I will see you next time for another exciting episode. In the meantime, come and say hello on Instagram. You'll find me at madebymargie. Have a very happy weekend. Bye.